We bless your name, Lord. We thank you. This morning, God, we thank you for opportunity, God. Lord God, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would move in this place. Lord God, that you would take our attention off of any distractions and focus us directly on you, God, on you and what you have to say. And so, God, we honor you. We bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah, amen, amen. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> yeah. The one amazing thing that I can think about that God has done for me, and the most reason, I mean, y'all done heard a lot of my testimonies and, and things, um, is that, you know, he moves us through obstacles, right? There's obstacles that get in the way between us and, and his promises that he has for us. And so... There's a, there's a saying that says, like, father, like, son. <laughs> but I'm going to say, like, father, like, daughter. My spiritual father in the ministry, the great, the one and only, the Reverend Dr. Felix Gilbert. Amen. He, he pricked in me a, a, a desire to, to be educated and, and to go to seminary. But I had these obstacles in my way because, see, Denver Seminary is a master's program, and I don't have a bachelor's degree. Okay, I don't have no money. All right, I work full time. People are going to disagree, but I'm old. I ain't got time for that, right? But there was a desire and I felt God was calling me to it. But those, there were these obstacles that I just named. And so whenever I'd study to preach, I'd go over, drive all the way across town to Littleton. And I would say, I'm going to my school. And I'd walk in the library like I belong there. And I'd take my table and get my books and have them all laid out and study. And then I'd call pastor when I didn't understand something. And he'd say, where are you? At my school. At my school. Because I believed that God would take me there. But like I said, I had these obstacles. And so one day God pressed on me to, to go ahead and apply. And so I applied, and guess what? I got accepted. I got accepted. I got a scholarship. And anything, any obstacles that, that were in my way, funds, insecurities, bachelor's degree, time, brain cells, <laughs> all those obstacles, God brought me through them. Amen. He brought me through them. And so in May, this coming May 2022, guess what? I'm going to be walking across the stage. And you're going to see later in our passage, we're going to mention this, on dry land. Because God brought me through. Or he's bringing me through. And so this morning, what I just came to tell you was that we can't allow obstacles to hinder God's promises for us. We just can't let that. And, and so that's uh, this morning when I begin to preach and even beginning now, just begin to think about your obstacles. Any obstacles. It could be money. It could be anything. We got them. We got them. We live in a fallen world. We all have them. And so guess what? We're going to be looking at Joshua. 
We've been in Joshua. Y'all might as well just start reading it all the way, the whole chapter. Might as well. We're going to be looking at Joshua 3. And what we're going to see is that the Jordan River became the obstacle between Israel and the promised land. And what else we're going to see is that God will move us through obstacles to get to the promise that he has for us. Yeah. And so what I want to tell you today is look at your neighbor and say, it's time to move. It's time to move. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Yeah, so let's turn to Joshua chapter 3. If you have your Bible, your electronic devices, any of that. So we've been in Joshua, as you know, for a while. Um, so I won't do much literary context. Yes, I learned that in seminary and through pastor. <laughs> and <laughs> so in chapter 1, what we see is that Moses has died and, and God has uh, appointed Joshua as a leader. And he tells Joshua to be strong and courageous and that he'll never leave him or forsake him. And if you remember, Pastor Derek spoke from that chapter and he talked about courageous leadership. Chapter two, we kind of skipped over, but if you want to look back on our YouTube, I, I preached about it a couple years ago. But chapter 2, we see Joshua sending spies across into the promised land to Jericho and, and for them to scout the land. And they came running back saying, oh, we could take it because guess what? They scared of your God. They scared of our God. They're scared of us. So we can take this land. And then Pastor Katani our mother, I thank you so much, Mama K. That's what we should start calling her, Mama K. I thank you. Uh, she's been in Chapter 5 talking about circumcision and how our hearts should be circumcised. So I'm going to go back a little to Chapter 3. God has been having me there for a while. And, and then we'll do the, the latter part of Chapter 3 in the beginning of Chapter 4. Okay. So, in chapter 3, I'll just give you a little bit, since I'm not going to read all of it. Here we find Joshua. Now, remember, this, the, the spies just got back and said, oh, we could take the land. So, chapter 3 starts out with God telling Joshua, okay, it's time to move. Somebody says, it's time to move. <laughs> it's time to move. And then he uses this phrase over and over and over, and you're going to see that in this passage. It's time to pass over the Jordan. Some translations will say cross over the Jordan. It's time to move. And so this phrase is a verbal phrase. It's a verbal phrase and, and it gives the idea of movement and not just any kind of movement, but a linear, a linear motion that, that often is used when you're taking a path or a route. So he's letting them know, hey, we're not going to go around this river. We're not going to go over it. We can't go under it. So we're going to take a, a linear path right through it. All right? And so he's giving them instructions. He told Israel to consecrate yourself because guess what? I'm about to do amazing things. 
because <laughs> he's so amazing, right? So he said, I'm about to do amazing things. So consecrate yourselves, Israel. And when you see the Ark of the Covenant and you see the priests holding it up, follow them. Follow them at a distance. Follow them. And, and then he tells the, Joshua to tell the priests, when you get to the riverbank, put your foot in the water. Now, that's a crazy request, right? Put your foot in the water, and I'm going to stop the flow. And we're going to go through in a linear motion. <laughs> we're going to go through, and we're going to get to the other side. It's time to move. So Joshua chapter 3. Can I get my first slide on the screen if you have it ready? I need some water, sorry. So here's our big idea. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through chapter 4, verse 7. God will move us through our obstacles to get to the promises that he has for us. He'll move us through our obstacles. Yeah. He don't always take us around it. He's going to move us through. So, go to the next slide, please. So, I'm going to read verses uh, 14 and 15. I, I just have to warn you, it's like a, a, a partial thought. So, when we read it, it might sound a little weird. So, I'm just going to read a little bit, talk a little bit. Read a little bit, talk. Is that all right? I'm reading from the ESV. Verse 4, it says, so, so when the people, remember he told them to get up and, and, and look for the priest, okay? So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, and then in parentheses, the author gives us some information. He says, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. We're going to stop right there. Again, I said that the Jordan River is the obstacle between Israel and the promised land. And I want you to think about what's your obstacle. And our first point is this. In order to move past our obstacles, we got to first move behind the Lord and then we got to trust and obey him. Amen? Amen? Okay, so here we see the Levitical priest. And they're carrying, they're carrying the ark, or, or it said bearing the ark. But actually what it means is to lift up. They're lifting up the ark of the covenant. We know the ark of the covenant represents the presence of God. Okay? And so God himself is actually the one leading Israel. And so the uh, Hebrew word I said for bearing, it means to lift up, to raise, to extol, amen, to exalt, to lift up. So they're lifting up the Ark of the Covenant, and God told them to go ahead a little bit. Why? Because there was a lot of people. I could never get a total, but I know there was in the millions, there was a lot of people, and they needed to see where they was going, who they was following. In essence, they were looking at the Lord. All right? 
I said, what does that have to do with you and I? I mean, I mean that, little, that little verse. We, in the Old Testament, we look at the Levitical priests, the Levitical singers, the Levitical musicians, right? And, and, and we realize that once they get over to the promised land, everybody gets their land, but the Levites don't get no land because their inheritance was God himself. So they were, they were set apart for God. That's why I called y'all Levites because you're set apart for God. And so how does that apply to us? Well, don't be looking at me with the side eye because I'm an elder. Guess what? In the New Testament, we're all priests. We're all priests. You don't believe me? Go to 1 Peter 2nd chapter. It says, but you are a chosen race. Come on now. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his own possession. So what does this have to do with us? Our lifestyle should reveal that we lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. The world should see us following him when we face our, our, our obstacles, and they should see how we get through. So the priests are carrying the ark and lifting it up in their head of the people. Now they got an awesome task. I believe there was about six of them holding this ark up. So God said, when you get to the river, put your feet in the water. And the author let us know something, parenthetically, that the banks were overflowing. It was flood season. It was springtime. And the, and the snow from the mountains had melted off and filled the, the river. And the water was flowing and it was turbulent. And it had overflowed the banks. And they said that there was, there was weeds and, and things around the bank. And so when they're walking to try to get to the bank, they couldn't hardly get, it was hard to get through. And sometimes there were wild animals. So this was not an easy task just to go to the river and put your feet in. The other part is you got six people with you and all six of us have to be obedient and trust that God is going to stop the flow. So we all got to put our feet in the water. Okay. That's called unity. <laughs> yeah, that's called trust in God. That's called obedience. And so if we want to move past our, our, our obstacles, we have to move behind God, follow him, and then trust and obey. Yeah. And so these priests, they had to trust that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And it was going to be something miraculous. They already knew it was going to be something amazing. See, sometimes God requires us to join him in our own deliverance. <laughs> James said it like this, faith without works is dead. I can talk about my faith, but if I'm not showing anything, hallelujah, am I going to believe you? And so here these priests, they have to go to this raging, turbulent river. I'm sure they thought about being drowned and all that. And they might have remembered the Red Sea because God did part the Red Sea, but that was 40 years ago. 
Yeah, I heard, I might have heard about it. They might have heard about it, but I don't know that they all experienced this. And so here we are again facing a river, and I got to trust. I got to trust what God is saying. My two-year-old granddaughter is taking swimming lessons. This girl don't have no fear. She gets out, gets on the edge of the swimming pool, and she will jump in the water. She will jump in the water trusting that mama or daddy going to catch her. Right? And they do. She don't know how to swim. She is jumping in the water, right? And so that is what God is looking for in you and I, believers, that we trust him, that we put our foot in the river, that we dive in the swimming pool even though we don't know how to swim and trust he's going to catch us. And so to move past our obstacles, we have to move first behind God and then trust and obey. And then the next thing we have to do, if you want to go to the next screen, in order to move past our obstacles, we got to take a firm stand in service to the Lord. Huh. We got to take a firm stand in service to the Lord. Let's see. Let's see what God is saying in, in verses 16 through 17 of chapter 3. And so since, since it's a partial thought, I'm going to go back a little bit and, and read the last portion. Um, it says, and so, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, talking about the water, the, sea, the salt sea, were completely cut off. So let me say that again. The waters were coming down, so the river was flowing downward, and, and like I said, turbulently. And, 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 he, and, and they stood up a little ways down in a heap. And then the rest of the water that was flowing down just went on down into the salt sea. And so it created a path. <laughs> right? And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Huh, that could have been a long time. So to move past our obstacles, we have to take a firm stand in service to the Lord. Okay, first I just want to let you know that the city of Adam was like 18 miles from Jericho. So, 18, so when the priest touched the water 18 miles back, God, he stopped the water. He stopped the flow. And, and here's what the, the passage says. The author lets us know what happened. The water stood. It said it stood in a heap. It rose up. And then if we look at this play on words, he also lets us know that the priest, when they got in the water, they stood. They stood firmly. And so what does that word stood mean? What does, you know, I'm nosy, y'all. 
So I'm going to look at everything, right? So the priest stood firmly. And the Hebrew word for, for stood, it means to stand, to stand up, to stand still. It, 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 it means to be in a stance in which the body is vertical and straight. And, and so not to bow down or to be prostrate, even though bowing and standing can be a respectful state, but in this instance, standing, listen, standing has a focus on presentation for service. Standing has a focus for presentation for service. So here this inanimate object, this river, stood up. And here the priests at the same time, I'm sure, was in the middle of the Jordan and they stood up and I could just see them standing at attention, waiting for their, their call of the almighty God, the, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. They're standing at the beck and call of our Lord and Savior, wanting to know what is it that you need for me to do? And so the water, the river stood. And the priest stood at the beck and call of God Almighty. And what happened after that? Israel walked over. All one, two million of them on dry ground. Now, the word, the author doesn't tell us that the sun came out and they had to wait for days before the riverbank dried. God did a quick dry. They stood, God said, <laughs> and they walked on through. Their feet didn't get muddy. Nothing got stuck in the mud. They just walked over. They passed over in a linear motion on dry ground. They walked through their obstacle here to get to the other side. <laughs> it's time to move, y'all. In order to move past our obstacles, yeah, we got to take a firm stand in service to our Lord. So as believers, you know, sometimes I know, I know it, it, gets in, it gets tiring. I can imagine. I think that's why God had them do this because we have to be able to relate. It's that they stood holding up the Ark of the Covenant. And can you imagine how long that took for all those people to walk across? They had to have been tired, impatient, nervous that that water was going to break. They had to feel all those emotions. Sometimes when God is trying to get us through something, it takes great patience, right? Great patience. We have to stand and wait and hold up our arms and get tired. And God, this ain't taking, this ain't, this ain't working. I know sometimes when I, when I want to get over something and I'm still struggling with it, I'll be like, okay, Holy Spirit, that didn't take. That didn't take. I need a do-over, you know. But God is showing us right here that we have to stand firmly and wait on his next beck and call. I used to watch this show long ago, Gomer Pyle. Y'all remember Gomer Pyle? Some of y'all don't. Gomer Pyle. Remember he was in the, mil in the Marines, I believe. And remember Sergeant Carter could not stand him. He was so annoying, right? 
But one thing about Gomer Pyle, every time he saw Sergeant Carter, what is it you need me to do? And sometimes Sergeant Carter would send him on wild goose chases to get rid of him, and Gomer would go running. And I believe that's what God is wanting us to do. Stand firm. What is it you want me to do, God? And whatever he says, even if it don't sound right, even if it sounds like he's taking us on a wild goose chase, he wants us to take out running like Gomer Pyle. <laughs> so it's time to move, y'all. God is going to move us through our obstacles to get to his promises. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Am I doing all right, sister? Yeah. We're going to keep it moving on to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Can I get the next slide, please? Verses 1 through 3. Our point is this. Though we move past our obstacles, they become our memorials. Let's read. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man. And command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge. Go to the Jordan. In the midst of the Jordan, grab these stones in the place where the, feet, the priest's feet stand. Though we move past our obstacles... They can become our memorials. Okay? So the entire nation crossed the Jordan. And here's how we know that. Because when they took a, a, a man from each tribe, that symbolized that the entire nation was represented. And that let us know that the whole nation of Israel passed over. And so each one of those men took a stone from the river. That would have been 12 stones. Okay? And it was symbolic of Israel's crossing. It was symbolic of what God had done for them. And so when we move past our obstacles, sometimes they become our memorials. And so the stones from the river was a part of that riverbed that was a part of the obstacle. And now God is saying, take it with you and we're going to make a memorial out of it. It symbolizes God's miracles, signs, and wonders. How many of you have God taken you through something and over something and then you had to carry that something so it could be a memorial? <laughs> a remembrance we should not forget what he's done for us because some of it is, 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 in our mind's sight, is miraculous. If you think about who you used to be, where you came from, some things that God has done is miraculous. Somebody said you got to go through to get to the other side, right? You got to, so you and I should have a stone. We should have a stone that symbolizes that obstacle that, that God has brought us through. Especially this last past year, we've all endured a whole lot. There's been deaths in our family. There's been racial tension, political tension, stress, anxiety, loss of jobs, loss of home. And so God is saying, yeah, go back. 
pick up that stone and take it with you because it's going to be a memorial. It's going to be a memorial. See, see, when I graduate from seminary and they hand me that master of arts, it's not about how smart I am or what I did. It's about those obstacles that I had to face because it has not been easy. My husband will tell you every semester I'm ready to quit. Not because I can't do the work, but because there's so much going on in, a, in, the, in my life. My dad was sick and, and he began to, to go downhill and I had to be at the hospital. I was going to the emergency room every other day and trying to study. And then he died. And in the midst of COVID, trying to go through all of that. And, and my son would get sick and I'd have to fly to, to, to Phoenix and I'd take my computer and my book. There was times I wanted to quit. Oh, but I'm going to hang that M.A. on my wall as a memorial of what God has done and brought me through. It's time to move. God will move us through, through our obstacles to get to the promises that he said to us. Next screen. And I'm almost done, y'all. This is it. Our memorials, those same memorials, can cause us to become a walking memorial. Yeah, let me see what I mean by that. Verses 4 through 7. Chapter 4. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it, the Ark of the Covenant, when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Our memorials can cause us to become a walking memorial. A living testimony, somebody said. <laughs> That's it, right? And so a commentator has said that these stones weighed about 100 pounds. I, I don't know. But, but here's what I begin to think about. To lift up that much weight, how many times have our, our, our obstacles been a weight on our shoulders? When we see the miracle signs and wonders that God created to get us through those obstacles and we had so sometimes we have to just carry it carry that obstacle and make it into a memorial that weight that hurt that pain turns into a memorial of joy so for Israel Crossing the Jordan symbolized entering into a new world. Some said it was a symbolization of salvation. They're leaving the old, the old way of life. They wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. They ate manna. Now they're going across into a new life. 
And they're not going to eat manna no more. They're going to eat the produce from the land. And they're going to have houses that they didn't build because the land wasn't desolate. It was already occupied. So things was probably already in place. We know that the produce was huge and big. And so God had everything afresh and anew for them. It symbolized salvation. And for you and I, our new birth should symbolize a new life in God, his blessings and, and his salvation. So becoming a walking memorial is the same as being a living testimony of Christ. You know, last year we ordained some deacons. I thought about this this morning as I was thinking about these stones and, and they went through their training and at the very end they had like a little gathering at, at the park because it was still COVID. We had to be socially distant. So we went to a park and Deacon Thomas asked them if they had anything to share. And it was the most beautiful moment because each one of them got up and they had their stone and they set it down. Some were stones of addiction, stones of pain and sorrow. Here's what God did. Here's what God took me through. Here's what I've gone through, and now here is where I am. And so I believe what God is saying is that we should take these stones as a memorial. Your stone can become a memorial of joy. I don't know. I, I was thinking also that when I pull up to 3100 Racine, my house is old. It needs lots of repairs, and I'm trying to get things fixed, and I probably shouldn't move. And It's so sentimental. It's like a memorial. It's a memorial because in that house has been some heartache and some pain. In that house has been some joy. In that house has been some good times, some bad times. In that house, a marriage was restored. In that house, addictions were overcame. In that house, children were born and, and sent off to college. In that house, children have been cried over. Children have been rejoiced over. That's my memorial. To God, a memorial of joy. And so RCF, I just want to say to you today, y'all can come on, that it's time to move. Not to move on. I don't mean that. I mean it's time to move, to stand up, to get behind God, to, to trust and obey and to stand at attention and get his orders and to move so we can get through this obstacle and get to the promised land, the place that he's promised for us that we can be a living testimony to this community. And then us individually can be a living testimony to our families and to our friends. When I look at my house, I often think about what God has because guess what? This is on the, this is on this side. And what God has in store, we haven't gotten there yet. Hallelujah. He has a new house. Amen. He has a new house, a new Jerusalem. And the word said it's going to come down from heaven. And in the mansions, they said there are many rooms there. It said there's 12 gates to the city. I'm 
looking forward to going through this obstacle, this obstacle here on earth, and getting rid of this old and dusty body and taking on a resurrected body. I'm looking through, walking through those gates. I don't know which one it'll be because they said it's three gates in the east and three gates in the west, three gates in the north, and three gates in the south. They say the walls are made of jasper. They say there's a street paved with gold. They said we got a new robe. They said we got some new shoes. I don't know, but I look forward to going through to getting past my obstacle. And so get up and move. Get up and move. This ain't the end. This ain't the end, y'all. Hallelujah. So let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet because somebody in here is still stuck in their old self, in their old ways. They have not transformed. Somebody online might want to give their life to Christ. That's our prayer. That's what we're here for, to encourage and then to, to open up the doors that somebody can give their lives to Christ and they can get through their obstacles and make those obstacles a memorial. And those of us that have gone through, guess what? This is what encourages people. We have to start sharing. We have to start sharing. We're the living, walking, talking testimony that God has, has left here. The old church used to say, I am a living testimony. You don't have to play that. He said, I could have been dead and gone, but the Lord helped me to live on. Yeah, I am a living testimony. And I thank the Lord that I'm still alive, right? Amen. And so if somebody needs prayer, I don't know how we're going to do it with the COVID. I'll let Pastor Kay decide that. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 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 We want to thank you for that word. Amen.